Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we come before you this day, O Lord God, to ask that you minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Thank you so much for this day that you have made, and we shall rejoice and be so glad in the Lord God. And as we proceed in your word, O Lord God, we ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive and to understand what your word is saying to us today. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We glorify thy name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Let me just start out by saying, how many of you know where the handbrake is in your car? Or the emergency brake, okay? We all, we all have them in vehicles today. And how many times have you tried to drive your car with the handbrake still on? Okay, and I'm sure many of us have been. Yeah, I know I certainly have tried to do it. And, and when you do that, the car operates very sluggishly. You just put your foot on the gas and it may move forward, but it goes forward very, very slowly. You know, and then finally it hits you. Oh, gee whiz, the handbrake is on. The handbrake is on. You finally realize, ah, okay, I didn't take off the handbrake, okay? Now, cars have changed over the years. You know, I first started driving the older cars. The handbrake was kind of in the middle, and you pulled up on it, and then it evolved to being down on the floor, and you stepped on it. And, you know, and now in newer cars, even it's on the, on the console, there. You, you push a button or pull up a button, and it applies the brake. Okay, but you drive, you try to drive, and you realize that something is wrong, okay? So then when you realize that something is wrong, you take off the handbrake, and then the car goes on, and it operates the way it should be happening, be operating, okay? But it, it, it took an action on your part to do something. You just could not continue driving with the brake in that condition. You had to finally realize that something was wrong, and you had to do something. So the problem actually consisted of three parts. You recognized that there was a problem, first of all, and then you wanted to do something about the problem, and then you took an action to fix the problem, okay? Well, the same way there are handbrakes in the natural there are handbrakes, if you will, in the spiritual realm, okay? I always say that for things that happen in the natural world, if you search deep enough, scriptures deep enough, you'll see that the same things that happen in the physical realm also apply to us spiritually. And the same way that handbrake that holds back that car from functioning the way it is supposed to be functioning, handbrakes in our spiritual lives can also hold back our spiritual maturity, our spiritual development, uh, success in life, you know, achieving the, the victory. We have handbrakes also on the spiritual level. And that's what we want to talk about today. Handbrakes can be there as the result of the enemy trying to interfere with our lives, to slow down or to impede progress in our spiritual maturity and achieving any victories that God may have in mind for us. These handbrakes can become hindrances in, in getting answers to prayers, if not dealt with immediately, okay? The handbrakes that pop up in our lives, if we're not dealing, dealing with them, they can just kind of just linger there, you know, in the same way you're trying to, to drive that car and the car is moving very, very sluggishly and very, very slowly. Well, so it is with our spiritual development, our spiritual maturity, um, uh, receiving a victory because that handbrake in our life is slowing us down, okay? So the key in dealing with the three-part problem of handbrakes in our spiritual lives is that it starts with faith, first of all, okay? The foundation of this uh, starts with faith. Faith. So we have to, therefore, recognize that there is a problem, as I said before, recognize that there is a problem. Lord, I'm not moving away the way I'd like to be moving in my spiritual development or the way you, Lord, want me to develop. I realize that something is wrong. 
And then, Lord, I want to fix it. Kind of goes back to my sermon before, you know, whether or not you want it. You know, I want to fix the problem. There's a willingness on your part. And then lastly is taking that action to fix the problem. Okay. So if you're not progressing the way you feel you should be progressing in the Lord, or you're not getting answered prayer and whatnot, then the first thing to do is recognize that, yeah, something, I'm, I'm missing something here. Okay. And Lord, what can I do to fix the problem? Okay. And like I said, faith is a very, very important part of removing any handbrakes in our lives. Okay. So why don't we start by going to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. And now's a good time to say that if you don't have your Bible, why don't you just hit pause and run and get your Bible and a pencil or marker or something like that, paper to take some notes so that you can remember these scriptures when uh, um, Holy Spirit so you know impresses you to do so. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Okay, And we've been here a few times before, but let's look at it with a different perspective here. Now faith is the subject of things, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Okay, Now by faith we understand that. We, by faith, we understand the fact that God created all of creation out of nothing. It did not exist before. Okay. Can we prove that through calculus or through geometry or through physics and so on like that? No, we can only go but so far in understanding the universe. But the final, the final, the final thing that we have to understand is that it came from nothing. God said, let there be light. Okay. There was no primordial. Um, atom that existed that exploded the Big Bang Theory. There was no primordial atom that, it, you know, it just exploded to create all of this. And if it was, then the question is, you know, who created that primordial atom? But where did that basic atom come from? Okay. So, so God is the creator. And we understand that and we accept that by faith. Okay. So through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, on this verse six, underline this if you don't already have it underlined. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay. All right. So that's the, the scripture I really want to dwell on there. By faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay. So if we want to, if, we, if you have a handbrake that's operating in your life there and something that's holding you back, first of all, if you don't have the faith, then you're not going, you're not pleasing God and it's going to be impossible for you to, to take off the handbrake, so to speak. Okay. That is impossible for you to do so. Okay. For, and then having faith, it says that for he that comes to God must believe that he is. Is God, is God to you, is God more to you than just a theoretical concept? God cannot be, you know, like in the Star Wars movies, you know, the, the force that's out there or something like that. May the force be with you. No, 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 no. God is, God is God. And do you realize that he is exactly who he says he is? Okay, God is a being that has always existed and always will exist. He has all the power of the universe and then some. I mean, he, he is all that he says that he is. So you, do, you, do you believe that? 
And so if you believe that, then you have to have faith that God can help you to remove any handbrake that might be there in your life that is hindering you from developing or, or, or receiving answered prayer or having victories in life. Okay, and it says that, and that he, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, so that's where this whole thing starts here. First of all, removing handbrakes, you got to have some faith. As you use God's word daily, you are taking God at his word. Okay, let me repeat that. As you use God's word daily, you are taking God at his word. Sometimes answers to prayer do not immediately come. Faith is a necessary ingredient. Okay, prayers, answers to prayers don't always immediately come, but we have to keep that faith. Okay, now faith, it says, is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith means that faith now. Okay, not, oh, I'll have faith tomorrow for this. Oh, I had faith yesterday. Uh, I, I don't have faith today. No, faith, now faith is right now. So it means this very instant that you're hearing my voice, if anything is going on in your life, you first of all have to have some faith that God is there to help you, okay, and that God will indeed bring you through, okay? If you are not seeing results, either you have not persevered long enough or there is a handbrake that is still on, okay? All right, maybe you just haven't persevered long enough. Okay, or there is a handbrake in your life that is still on. Okay, and we see that if we go to Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-six. I'm sorry, Isaiah fifty-five. Go to Isaiah fifty-five, and we want to start with verse number six. Okay, seek ye the Lord, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. This is today. This is this this moment. You seek the Lord. Seek the Lord that he that while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Okay. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? So first of all, you've got this handbrake going on in your life there, and something is bothering you, is hindering you, is hindering, is holding you back, you know, and you're praying and you're not quite understanding what's going on. Well, that's your understanding. Okay? God understands exactly what is going on in his life, in your life. And his way of getting you out of this mess that you might be in is not the way that you think he's going to get him out, get it out because get you out because God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are so above anything that we could imagine. So we have to have faith, first of all. And God is on my case here. God is on the case. And so I know that whatever he does, is going to be a good thing for me. And I'm just going to relax in him. I'm going to keep trusting in him. It goes on to say in verse number 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither and waters the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Okay. So whatever God says is not going to come back to him void. In other words, it will deliver. God has spoken certain things in his Bible. God has spoken certain things in his word. He's given us promises about life. He's given us promises about success. His word, what he has said, will not return to him void. Okay. It goes on to say, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. 
For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So in other words, you're going to have a good life. Okay, so he's saying that what God has said, what God has promised us, us is not going to come back, uh, um, not accomplishing what God says it will accomplish. Okay, okay, everything that we see going on in the world today, you know, the good stuff and the bad stuff, okay, was talked about in the Word of God. God said that these things must come to pass, and they are coming to pass right before our eyes. Okay, so we have to know, 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 know that His His void, His His word for your life is not going to return into a void either. Okay, so that means that whatever promises he's made to you and he's made many promises to you in his word right here in this Bible. Okay, you got to start personalizing the word of God when you're reading it and start saying that these words are spoken to me. Okay, not just to a group of people, not just to the to the Jews or the Greeks or whomever the audience was at that particular time, that particular book was written. But God is speaking to me through this word. You have to believe that. Okay. So if you've got something going on that you're not seeing, you're not realizing yet, and you maybe there's a handbrake that's going on, but in the meantime, we have to keep on waiting patiently. We have to wait patiently, believing and thanking God every day for the answer uh, which, which came the moment that you asked it. But sometimes we have to wait, like Daniel did. Okay, now you won't have to don't have to turn there now, but it's in Daniel ten that you read where Daniel was waiting for some answers and and everything, and uh, that angel came finally after twenty one days, saying that the minute that you prayed, basically he said the minute that you prayed, you know your prayer was answered. God heard you, okay, and I was sent to bring forth the answer, okay. But because of the fact that the enemy withstood him, it says the prince of Tyre, actually referring to to a demon, you know. Hindered him from delivering the message. And then he said the archangel Michael came along and defeated the enemy. And now I'm here, Daniel, to give you the answer. Okay, so the minute you sent forth that prayer, God heard that prayer and he answered it. It may be taking its time and manifesting itself in the natural world where you can see it and feel it and touch it and hear it and benefit from it. But the prayer was answered. So in the meantime, we just be patient. God's time and his way of answering may not be the way or in what time frame that we expect all the time. Okay, all right. But the answer will come. But nothing is impossible for God. The answer will indeed come. Nothing is indeed impossible for Him. All right. So we have to make sure that we just stay waiting and being patient, knowing that God is indeed on the case and that He's going to to answer us. All right. If there's if there's never an answer to a prayer, then maybe God has a reason for not answering this particular prayer. Maybe there's a reason. Okay. Many times the things that we pray for, that we think, oh, boy, it'd be good to have this, be good to have that position. Oh, boy, it'd be good to have that house, that car, or whatever, you know, that, that young lady, that young man that I'm seeing, I got my eye on. It'd be great, great, great if we, could, if we could just make a deep spiritual connection, and maybe this is the one for me, you know. Maybe that's what you feel, but maybe it's not what God feels. Maybe it's not what God's want, God wants. Okay, okay. So when we're waiting for prayer, what we have to be saying to ourselves when we're praying, to ourselves as we're praying, Lord, this is what I desire, but Heavenly Father God, please, you give me the best advice. Is this the way that I should go? Is this whom I should be pursuing? Give me, Lord God, some answers. If I'm praying amiss, then Lord, let me know. You know, but it's your will, Lord, that I want to, to, uh, 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 to, to manifest in, in my life, not my will. Okay. All right. So, so if you're not getting that answer right away, remember that God will answer in His time, not necessarily in in our time. Okay. So, some of the handbrakes that may be in our lives that we want to look at today is, uh, first of all, out of the box is, is doubt. Is doubt the handbrake of doubt? 
And if we go to James 1, verse 6, James 1, verse 6, One, six. But let him ask in faith, underline ask in faith, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Okay. So when you're asking God for something, then you first of all ask in faith, knowing that God's going to answer you. Okay. God's going to answer you. Nothing wavering. That means that you're asking in faith and you are sure. Wavering is if you are unsure, all right? Okay, all right? If you bet on a horse, let's say, going down to the track, okay, you place your bet on that horse, and you're hoping, and you're hoping that that horse makes it first across the finish line, okay? That's because you don't know for sure. You're simply hoping. But with God, though, and you ask him in faith, nothing wavering, that means that you know God's going to bring the answer. And whatever that answer is, your strength and your faith there, whatever that answer is, you're accepting that this is God giving me that answer. And I know it's going to be a good thing for me. And so I am as sure about that as I know that the sun is out there. Amen. 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 So, so this is not wavering. For it says here, for the man that wa- or woman that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You ever see the ocean currents moving and things like that? I mean, it's the, the, the water there is just it's at the mercy of the wind. You know, we know it's gravity from the moon and so on like that, okay? But it's just tossed to and fro. The wave doesn't have a mind of its own, okay? Okay, all right, all right. You pray to the Lord, then it's up to you to make that decision in your spirit, and in, which will then govern your mind, that you're going to trust God and believe God and have faith in God without wavering, okay? Because if you waver, then you're just like something being tossed to and fro. You know, you know? And I, I see people like that, and you probably know people like that too. You know, one day they're up about something and, and, and they're, they're feeling good and so forth. Or, or maybe they heard a good message, a good word or so forth, you know, or maybe they heard a good sermon or whatever. And they're all pumped about it, all pumped. OK. And they're believing what that particular sermon was all about. And then the next day or week, they hear another sermon, which is which is counter to that. Then all of a sudden they're going along with that sermon. OK, so that, that that's wavering and therefore being tossed to and fro. Even when it comes down to the word of God, you got to make up your mind, saint. Make up your mind, saint. You're going to believe what the word of God says, or you're going to believe what some man is out there talking about that is not based on the word of God. Okay? And there's a lot of that out there today. So you have to make sure that you're locked into the word of God, that Holy Spirit is giving you guidance so that you're not just bounced to and fro like a wave. All right? Okay? Okay? Be strong in the Lord and be firm. Okay, that alone can be a, a handbrake that is in your life that is holding you back. Okay, okay. Verse six again. Then I want to roll right into verse seven. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Okay, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay. All right. So in other words, it's saying right there, there, you know, ask your face, nothing wavering. Okay. Okay. Don't waver. Don't be like, like a wave of the sea, sea being tossed back and forth. And let not that man think if you're like that, that you shall receive anything of God. All right. If you're wavering back and forth, if you don't have your feet firmly planted in the word of God, that you firmly believe in the word of God, if, if, if you're not firmly believing and have faith in him, then, and, or, or you faith today and faith maybe not, tomorrow, 
Okay, all right, all right. We've all had things in our lives there where we had faith for, for in God for something and it came through. We were so joyful. And then something else comes up in our lives then and all of a sudden we lose that faith. Well, you had faith for that other thing. Why can't you have faith for this thing that is before you now? Okay, okay. Look at what God did for you before. Why are you doubting and worrying now? See, that's being double-minded. Either you have faith now or you have it all the time. Or you can't have a sometime faith, not when it comes down to God. It says there that, that let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Okay? So a handbrake could be the, in your life. The fact that, that, that you're one that wavers, you know? Okay? Or I have faith on Sunday before I go to church. I have faith, faith uh, during church and I have faith after church. I'm all pumped up from having heard a good sermon. And then come Monday morning, okay, when the realities of life and things start popping up around you, all of a sudden you lose your faith. What happened to the faith that you were so strong in, in the Lord on Sunday? What happened for the faith that you, that you felt when you were there with your hands lifted praising during the praise and worship service? When that faith leader was leading the congregation in music and song and you were singing and praising God and you were pumped up in faith then. So what happens to your faith on Monday morning when you go back to work or go back to school or whatever it might be? That's wavering, okay? Get to the point that you can have constant faith, now faith. It means faith now for the moment, for whatever you're going through, that you will continue to have your faith. You cannot afford to be double-minded, okay? You can't enter into God's rest if you're entertaining doubt in your heart. Okay? Lack of faith is also a sign of doubt. If you're wavering back and forth like that, that also is a sign of doubt. Let's go to Hebrews 3, 7. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 3, 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you'll hear his voice, underline that today, if you'll hear his voice, that means right now, as I'm speaking to you today, if you will hear his voice, I'm referring to the word of God, not my voice, the word of God. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Okay. In, in the provocation is, is in the scripture is talking about those days that Israel was in the wilderness there and they kept provoking God. So it's referred to as in the days of provocation. All those years they kept provoking God by, 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 by not having faith, by challenging faith, by building the golden calf, you know, by doing all of those things, which was counter to what, what God wanted to do is referred to as the days of provocation. So here it says, harden not your heart, verse eight, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works for 40 years. For 40 years, they were going through that wilderness there and God showed them miracles and signs and wonders and everything. And the, the uh, Jews there, they, they were all pumped at the time that the miracle saved them from something or delivered something or what they all pumped up. But then after they went right back to losing faith in God. Okay, okay, they went right back to saying, Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Why did God bring us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, we had food, we had this, we had that, at least we had comfort. You know, hey, now we're out here in the desert, it's hot and it's nasty and this and that and this and that, it's hardship. And they just complain and complain and complain, losing faith in God, okay, for 40 years, all right? When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, Grieved that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. 
They err in their heart and they have not known my ways. This is God. God looked down on them and saw the way they were behaving and everything, and God was grieved in his heart. And just say that they just constantly, they keep turning away from my ways. So there, verse 11, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Okay, Underline that, please. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my wrath. So now if you are going against the word of God, Okay, if you're going back and forth, you're wavering or you're having doubt and so forth, or you're just going against what the word of God says, then it's impossible for you to enter into God's rest. You cannot be at peace. You cannot be at peace. Okay? One of the signs, you know, that we can all look for, you should all look for, I know I certainly look for, is if I am feeling unrest in my life for something that's, that's, that's going on. Even feeling, just, just kind of feeling, feeling, how can I say, feeling off kilter, you know, not quite feeling that something is right during the course of the day or at night or whenever it might be or when I get up in the morning. If I'm just feeling kind of off-centered, if you will, it's hard to, to describe. If you're just feeling that something ain't right, you know, something, you, you know, then, 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 then you're not in God's rest. You're not in God's rest because if we're in God's rest, then we should be at peace. Okay. It, it doesn't mean that everything is cool in your life. It doesn't mean that every single thing is just hunky-dory. But it means that if something is amiss in your life, that you're in God's rest because you know you can trust him. And you don't wind up developing agita and anxiety and stress and everything. Because you, you, you can still be in rest knowing that God is in charge and God is going to handle that situation, okay, okay, which is is the opposite of you running around and being all panicky, your heart thumping in your chest and feeling tightness in your shoulders and everything else, being all stressed out, okay. So so because of this is saying here, God is saying because of the fact that they just kept sinning and going away from his word and so forth, it says that in 11, so I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter, they shall not enter into my rest, okay. So a handbrake could be manifesting itself. That sluggishness that I talked about when your handbrake in your car is on and you're trying to drive with it, and that sluggishness, that pulling, and it's, you're stepping on the brake and it's barely moving, okay? That's what happens in our lives when we have a spiritual handbrake that's going on. Okay. Things around you are just gummed up, if you will. Right. Okay. So then it goes on to say in verse number 12, Take heed, brethren. Take heed, sister or brother listening out there today. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Of unbelief. If there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Okay? So he's saying here, take heed, brethren, unless there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief. So you see, so you see here that unbelief ties right in. Unbelief or doubt ties right in to these handbrakes that could be operating in our lives that are holding us back. All right? Okay? If you have evil heart of unbelief in departing from the, the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Here again it says today. While it is today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if, if, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today if you will hear his voice. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Okay? So we see there a couple of times there's a reference to today. Holy Spirit is saying to you, today, you need to make a decision. You need to recognize that there possibly is a problem in your life, that there's a handbrake going on in your life. Okay? You need to recognize that today, and you have to want to do something about it. Okay? You have to want to do something about it. 
While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as there's in the provocation. Don't, so it's in other words, don't just blot it out or push it away. Or don't believe that Holy Spirit is speaking to you, perhaps through this message today. Something else is going on in your life that you feel that something is not right going on there. And maybe someone that you know has been speaking to you and you've just been kind of just pushing it aside. Holy Spirit may have been using another individual or some other circumstances to talk to you. So today, make a decision that you're not going to harden your heart. You're going to listen to that voice that is talking to you. Sometimes there's that little quiet voice down in your spirit, in your spirit, within your belly, if you will, in your spirit, which is Holy Spirit that's talking to you, telling you. There's a handbrake on in your life, and you need to do something about it. There's a handbrake on in your life, and you need to do something about it. It continues here in verse number 16. For some, when they heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Please underline verse number 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So you see, unbelief and doubt, that is a very, very big handbrake that could be rising up in your life that you need to make sure you do something about. Okay? Remember that God is exactly who he says he is. And the bottom line is, how much do you believe? That's the bottom line. Okay? If you're a child of God, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You had to start off by saying and making that confession, you know, that that, that, that sinful confession of yours, that Lord Jesus, I, I believe that you are the son of the living God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is who he says he is? So if you believe all of that, then what about the rest? Do you believe that God can get you out of that situation, whatever that's going on, whatever that, that individual that's in your life, that family member? Okay, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's an infirmity that's going on. Do you believe that God is greater than all of that? Okay, all right. So, so that, that, that unbelief, that doubt thing, it, it's a big, powerful handbrake that could be slowing you down from victory, from succeeding, for growing, for maturing in the Lord. Okay, all right. So, so stop and think about it. You have to dwell on that more and more. Okay. The other handbrake that could be there in your life is. One many times we even as Christians we, we we overlook and that's unforgiveness. Okay? Handbrake called unforgiveness, it's 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 so very, very important to God that we forgive. Let's go to Matthew five twenty three. Matthew five twenty three. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come off of thy gift. Okay? Then come off of thy gift. Okay? So, forgiveness here is so important to God that God doesn't even want your offering. You come to church and you bring your tithes and you bring your offering and everything like that. And if you're harboring, harboring unforgiveness towards someone, then God is saying, while you're sitting there in church, don't even give your tithe. Don't even give your offering. You go and you make peace 
You go make it right with that person. You go and forgive that person. And then you come back and give your offering. Okay. Therefore, 23, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remembers that thy brother has ought against thee, leave, leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way, first be reconciled, and then come and offer thy gift. Okay. So we can't be carrying around this unforgiveness in our heart. First of all, I mean, if you study what unforgiveness is all about in Scripture, there you'll see that there are so many reasons that God tells us not to, not to harbor unforgiveness. You know, first of all, God forgave us. Okay, so who are we to be holding something against someone else? And by you holding something about uh, uh, against someone else, you're heaping coals on your own head. Okay, because you're disobeying what the Word of God says. Okay, so by you harboring uh, unforgiveness on someone else, then you're heaping coals on your head because you're the one that's not obeying God. Okay, it's very possible that the person that you're, you're you haven't forgiven for something is living a relatively peaceful life and they're doing this and they're prospering and everything. I mean, I don't know the reason that maybe you're angry or upset with them and you're not forgiving them. Okay, but that very person that you're not forgiving, you know, they're living possibly a, you know a, a relatively good life, but you're the one that's seething all the time and you're angry every time you see that person. You you, you cross to the other side of the street, you know, or if you, you see their um, caller ID show up in your phone, uh, you you, you reject the, the call or something. I mean, you're the one. You're tied up in knots just because of the very presence, the existence of that other person. You can't have peace like that. Okay? So therefore, the unforgiveness that you're harboring for, towards someone else, it, it could be a very, very big handbrake in your life. Okay? And that also goes for someone that has since passed on. You have a family member, an acquaintance, a friend, or someone that wasn't a friend that did you really had were at odds with, and that person has since gone and they've passed on, and what? And you're still here on this earth, and you're still harboring unforgiveness in your spirit for them. That's heaping calls calls on your head. So you have to say, Lord, I forgive that person. I forgive Johnny. I forgive Mary, even though then they're, they're no longer here. They're dead and gone. But even though you, you know, you know, the, the thought of what they quote unquote did to you is still harboring and eating at you. You have to forgive them for it. You have to forgive them for it. Okay? I mean, we see some, some heinous things being done today, crimes against people and so forth like that. And, and there were a few occasions, you know, where the person that, that, that was the victim of the crime um, has actually said, I, I, I forgive the person that did this. Okay? Now, that does not mean that according to, to the laws and things like that, the person should not, you know, receive whatever the punishment is and so forth like that. You know, but I'm just saying that in your heart of hearts, you have to say, I have to forgive them. I give them to the system. I give them to God. Most importantly, I give it to God. God will take it. If there has to be some other justification, God will take care of that, okay, for how they, how, how they treated you or what they did to you, a family member or something. But you can't go heaping coals upon your head by harboring that unforgiveness. Give it to the Lord. Release that person. And by so doing, you'll be releasing yourself. Yeah. And I have known people where, I mean, where it, <laughs> something in the family happens because something someone said or did or didn't do or whatever and then that family member doesn't speak to the other family member for years on end, literally. I, I know some folks like that. And it almost develops into like the, you know, the famous Hatfield and McCoy's feud, you know, where they're, they're at each other and the families aren't talking to each other. The families of each side are not talking to the other side. And, and, and it's, a, it's a pitiful thing to see because they are family. They are family. 
But they let the devil get in there and take whatever the person did or was perceived to do. Another thing is that perception was perceived to do rose to the to the point of just being, you know, you know, it's something that they just could not deal with or refuse to deal with. And as a result, they started hating and disliking and hating and so forth. And they carry that with them. And then they go to church. Listen to the word of God and sing praise and worship, raise their hands and everything. But in their craw, they're, they're harboring that unforgiveness. Okay. So search, search your soul. Let Holy Spirit reveal to you. Is there anyone out there? Be it work, school, family, friend, neighborhood, you know, your next door neighbor. Don't be hating on them if they're, if they're, they're, the dog is always barking or something, you know, all the time. Don't be hating on them and harboring unforgiveness. Pray about, let the Lord Handle with the dog, deal with the dog. He can do that. Too. He can give you peace, but don't develop that that hatred, that unforgiveness in your heart, because it only it only backfires on you. That handbrake in your life stays locked all of the time. Stays locked all of the time. The other one is fear. Okay, and I wasn't going to go there, but let's go there anyway, because it's one that we quote all of the time, and that's uh, about about having that spirit of fear. Let's go to um, Romans eight. Romans 8, uh, verse number 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen. Don't let fear into your life. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Where I would cry, Abba, Father. Abba is like a word that like means like um, a, a daddy. You know, you know, Papa. You know, it's an affectionate term, Abba, Father. Okay? But but you said because you've been adopted into the spirit of God, so you've been released. You have not received that spirit of bondage again to fear, because that's what it is. Being in fear is, is bondage. It's in bondage. It's like you being being handcuffed and chained and in, in prison because fear just dominates your life. Fear controls your life. When you think something is going to happen and you start worrying about it and, and sitting down and figuring out, well, okay, if that's going to happen, that means I'm going to do this, I'm going to say that. You know? And how many things that we fear about happening never do happen, especially to us children of God. How many things that you've worried about in your life never really even came to pass? How many times have you really worried about going before your boss on Monday morning or whatever day that may be, you know, and, and here you think it's two days down the line or a day down the line or next week or next month. And you're thinking about that meeting with the boss there and you're so fearful and you already you've got it all lined up in your mind, you know, like a plague. You know, I'm going to walk into the office and and uh, they're going to say this and then I'm going to respond this. And if he says this, I'm going to come back with that. And you, you rehearse all of that. And then finally, when that day comes and you go into your boss's office, it's something entirely different. Maybe something complimentary or something good. Or it may not be as bad as you think it's going to be, you know. But how many things that, that we, we fear are going to happen do not really happen? See, and that's bondage to fear because during the time that you're waiting for that, that, that day, that two days, that week or that month, during that time leading up to that meeting, you are in bondage because all you do is you live, breathe and think about what's going to happen, worrying about what's going to happen. That's being in bondage. That's being in bondage. We don't have to go there. 
and let the devil, you know, you know, you know, drag our minds and our thoughts and our actions and our lives through that kind of nonsense. We've been set free from that and set free. Okay, so that's a big handbrake in our lives. Also, it's that spirit of fear. So recognize if that's going on. First step: recognize that that's a potential problem, and then desire to do something about it. And then the next thing is to actually do something about it. Start acting in faith. Rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Give the word of God back to that spirit. I rebuke you, spirit of fear, in the name of Jesus, because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Take the action. Release that handbrake so it isn't slowing you down and clogging you down. That's in your life. Fear can cancel out the effects of prayer because it says that you don't believe God, basically. You know, if, if you're fearing this and God's word says this is going to happen, all of the good stuff the word of God is telling you, but you're, you're harboring fear over here, then that means you don't believe what the word of God is saying. So then it ties right back into that spirit of unbelief and it ties back into that spirit of doubt. And there you go again. There's the handbrakes. So you could have possibly two or three different handbrakes all, all on at the same time. Therefore, it's impeding your progress. It's impeding you from moving forward because it's putting brakes in your life. Okay. The other one is, our, uh, is obedience. And if we go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 3. Okay. And we've been here before too, but verse number 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? So we have to be obedient to God. Okay? That could be a handbrake. And there are many forms of disobedience. Okay? Uh, it, we walk in the flesh. We do not walk after the flesh. In other words, while we're in these physical bodies and we're very much on this planet Earth, living out these lives, our walk, if you will, okay, the things that we are fighting against are not fleshly things. And you heard me preach on a couple of other messages there, Ephesians uh, 6, I believe, Ephesians 6 there, where it talks about the weapons of our warfare. You know, It's not people. Your boss is not your, your enemy. It's that spirit that is driving that boss or anyone else that you're at odds with. Okay? Okay? So, therefore, so therefore, since we're not fighting against a fleshly thing, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or not worldly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay? It, it, it's God's kingdom. It's God's word. It's operation of Holy Spirit in us to guide us on how to, how to pull down those strongholds. Okay, and, the, and casting down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Okay, if you're thinking on things that are counter to the Word of God, then then that's an imagination. It, it, it's something that you're thinking on and you're dwelling on that is um, is exalting itself or raising itself self, itself up over the knowledge of God. So in other words, what you know about God, when you believe God's promises said says about you, when you believe that the Word of God says how you're going to succeed. The thought that would be exalting itself over that is a, is a negative, a contrary to that word type of thought. In other words, God says I'm going to succeed. However, looking at my life, what's going on, I'm going to fail. Okay, Simple as that. To put it mildly and short and sweet, 
God says, I'm going to, I'm healed. Okay. A, a thought that would exalt itself above that statement. God says, I'm healed is that I'm going to die. I'm sick with this. I got this. I got that. I got that. Okay. That's a thought that comes in and it, it exalts itself or that thought raises itself up again, up over what the word of God says and what you know the word of God says. Okay. So what does it say you have to do? You have to bring that thought into cap, into captivity. Okay. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay. So that thought comes into your mind. You pull it down. Nope. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go to the word because with Jesus stripes, I am healed. Okay. That's pulling down that thought of you, of you being sick and not being able to shake whatever sickness that you have that pulls that thought down and says that with Jesus stripes, I am healed. Okay. Feeling, feeling fearful against something that the whole boy, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. The word of God says to cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. Okay. Okay. That worrisome thought is exalting itself up above what God says about that particular situation in your life. So that's a thought. It's an imagination that would be exalting itself against the knowledge of God. That can be another handbrake in our lives. Okay. And that one just creeps up. It pops in so readily and so easily. Because it's so easy for the devil to plant that thought and to make you worry about something. To make you think that all is going to just fail and crumble that you're not going to be able to succeed. You won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that, okay? Those are thoughts that he plants, and that thought then exalts itself against and above what the Word of God says, okay? The last scripture here that we're going to look at here is our uh, Malachi 3. Malachi 3. And it's on, it's on uh, three, verse number eight. It's on robbing God, okay? Robbing God. No one thinks that they can rob God. Well, we can very easily. And we're going to read these scriptures and see how, then I'll talk a little bit about it. Verse number eight. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Okay. So there it is there. And they say, like, well, how, Lord, have we robbed you? And he said in tithes and offerings. Okay. God wants us to give. There's tithes and then there's offerings. And I know there's all the debates about whether or not we should tithe the New Testament. Jesus didn't tithe, so they same. And I'm not going to get into that because that's a sermon in all of itself, you know. But God says about giving to him, okay? And tithing is that first 10%. Tithe is Greek for 10th. So that means the first 10% of your earnings, whatever that may be, okay? In the agrarian days, the farming days of, uh, of, uh, of Israel and so on like that, of course, they were, were farmers and everything. So that was the first 10% of their crops, the first 10% of their flock and so on. Okay, off the top, the good part, off the top, 
Okay. Now that's your tithe, the mandatory part. And offering is something that is above your tithe. Okay. So you get paid on a weekly basis. That's an increase. You've increased. Okay. Quote unquote, your flock or your crop is increased. We don't live in a farming society today. We get paid with money. So, so that's your increase. You get that increase. 10% off the top goes to the Lord. Then anything else you give to the Lord after that, that's an offering. Okay. That's an offering. Okay. The bottom line of line is it's all about giving to God. You can't outgive God. It's the best investment that you could ever make. Okay. What does the scripture say about, about not, not, not laying up, up treasures, you know, on earth, but laying up treasures in heavenly places? You start tithing to God. That's where you're doing. You're laying up treasures in, in heavenly places. Okay. All right. All right. So, 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 so you, you give to God and, and you can't outgive him. So all you're doing is you're giving, you're doing a good thing. Okay. Because it, you, you'll be heaping blessings upon yourself. All right. He says that, that uh, you are cursed with a, a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. OK, so the bottom line is, according to the word of God, if you're not giving to God, then you're cursing yourself. Talk about a handbrake. My, my goodness. OK, then, then, then you're cursed. Bring your tithes into all the storehouse that there may be meat and prove me now. He will say if the host, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. OK, and I shall rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Okay, the devourer is the enemy, of course. He's the, he's the, the devourer, you know, and the, the devourer is present in your life and you're not giving to God by, you, you just can't make ends meet. Okay? And I've seen it happen so many times. I mean, where, where, where someone, and even, you know, my, myself included, before I became really aware of the importance of tithing, okay? Alrighty, and, and growing up as a babe in the Lord and just beginning to learning, learning things like that. I mean, gee, was the dishwasher would break down. I scraped together, together enough money to get the dishwasher fixed. And then the next thing you know, I'm celebrating. Next thing you know, the refrigerator breaks down, for instance. And then I'm scraping together money to have that fixed. I finally get that fixed. And then the car goes. And it's like everything that comes in just seems to go right out. You know, it's like pouring sand or water in your hands like that. The water in the sand just seeps right between your fingers. You can't seem to keep any money. So what God is saying is that he will re- rebuke that devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your, vast, your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So it means the things that you have, you will prosper in the things that you have. Okay, okay. It says there that, that the vine shall not cast forth her fruit before the time. Okay, that's mean like you just can't hold on to anything. It just kind of just, just goes away. All right. So just try the God says to try him, to test him. Try it. You start giving to the Lord and you, you'd be surprised that hand breaking in life will be released when you don't have to want for anything. Well, you may want, but it won't be for a long extended period of time. God will supply it. But you give to him first. Okay? Give to him first. I mean, and, and talk about investments. If you're a financial kind of person, I mean a tenth. You know, God is saying, give me a tenth. And you get to keep 90%. Okay? And because you give away that tenth and you're keeping 90%, boy, and you watch what kind of return you get on your investment. Okay? Right, right. Now, now, I'm not, I'm not here. To, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time trying to... to Convince people to give. I'm just going to say to you, short and sweet. The Bible says if you're not giving to God, you're robbing him. Simple as that. If you're not giving to him, you're robbing him. And if you've got a handbrake in your life that's slowing you down, where, where the, you, your car of life, so to speak, is moving sluggishly and you can't seem to get to point B from point A, you're kind of stuck there and you're moving along very, very slowly, then you think about this. Remember I said there are three parts. 
realizing you have a problem, wanting to do something about the problem, and then actually doing something about the problem. So there's something here you need to think about, okay? Is one of my very significant handbrakes giving to God, okay? Think about it, pray about it, and just trust him. I know it's hard with the, especially the way the economy is today, it's very, very hard to say, Jesus, well, I got my paycheck and boom, off the top 10% is going to God. I know it's difficult, but I'm telling you from experience, from experience, from experience, you just start stepping out and start doing that and you will be shocked at the surprise that will come, the blessings that will come, how you'll be able to make ends meet. At the end of the, the month, when you start doing your checkbook and so on like that, you'll have extra money. I've had that happen. You've had extra money. Gee, where'd this come from? Okay. Okay. All right. I had someone, a company, you know, send me a letter after some time saying that they had miscalculated my retirement and there was X number of, number of dollars that they owed me out of the blue, out of the blue. Okay. And I wound up receiving a nice sum of money because of that. Amen. Amen. But, but God is good. God is there. That's the only reason. You know, I, I tell you these things because I'm speaking to you not out of someone that has lived a theoretical Christian life. I'm talking about someone who lives a Bible-based Christian life, a Bible-based, spirit-filled Christian life, because I've been there. I've been where you might be right now. I've, I've had the struggles. I've been there. And I'm telling you, through the grace of God, he's gotten me to where I am, that I can now spread this and give this good news to other people. Because I'm telling you, God is there. He's waiting for you. He's waiting. He wants you to just step out and just trust him. Take him literally at his word. Okay? Take him literally at his word. Praise God. Think about these handbrakes. Do something about it. Okay? Act on it. God is there waiting for you today. Amen. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And if it was, pass it on to someone else. We can be found at www.genesis1.sermon.net, www.genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page. You'll see a subscribe button. Click on the subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, We're still on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries, and we have our apps for Android and Apple phones. And those apps are free to download from the um, app in Apple or app. I'm sorry, Apple and Google Play stores. Amen. Amen. All free of charge. Uh, You can download the audio only portion or, of course, the video. Amen. Uh, Go forth and be blessed. Okay. look at those handbrakes in your life. Make a decision to remove them. Take them off so that you're not slowed down any longer. Amen. Praise God. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord. And now as we close, oh Lord, we pray that the words that we've heard today shall be remembered by us and kept deeply rooted within our spirits so that they cannot be stolen away, O oh Lord God. Heavenly Father, point out to us if we are unaware of any handbrakes that might be in our lives that would be hindering us from coming into your fullness, O oh Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will bless every single listener here today, O oh Lord God, move in their lives and touch them. Speak to them, O oh Lord God, that they may move and develop and grow to glorify you in their lives. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We glorify thy name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember that Jesus is Lord. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. Yeah.